we did say red if it makes you feel better we did kept we felt so bad we, we kept saying as the match as the night went on we're like oh yes it's a nice venue it's cool and it was like it was a fairly it was a fairly like even and like it was comparable to the first event up until intermission and then like, obviously selects came out and we started doing the select 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 stuff and it was like oh miss red for the select stuff that'd have been great but then as i said when that when that match happened and it was like we're like oh it was like oh, i feel bad i feel bad because it was like we just we needed that extra that just the just the extra the tripod to be there for that yeah. experience and i said the oceanic cup this, it's like planes trains automobiles i will i will i'll walk there if required just give me the give me some heads up on when we need to get there because um like I was there in spirit, boys. I was, and then and then I got the lovely photos of you out there drinking, drinking your pints and your pots and all that kind of stuff. It was lovely. I felt okay. One with you all. That was good. I'm glad. But um, yeah, um, it was like it was like that thing where you're like, oh, it's just a small show at the Croxton. Like it's not as big as the Liberty Hall sort of show. It's just a small show at the Croxton. What's going to happen? It's like, oh my god. And look, as you said, Dave, it's the best marketing strategy you can have. You got to be there live because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to see, and you know moments that can make fan. Like if you're someone that had never watched New Japan Pro Wrestling, you may not be a big wrestling fan. There were people that I could hear that are in the space that that didn't know the story or didn't know much. They're the ones that they're like, that's their fan. Like that's how you make a fan. Yeah. Um, simple as that. And to see that in real time is just a really great thing. And yeah. Um, and then to like I said to be talking to old Shep. And be like, oh, you know, out there promoting us, we really appreciate. It. Like, Jesus Christ, mate! No, look, there's a, our audience, but it, it feels like we have, a, like, some sort of civic duty to be like <laughs> reporting from the from the front lines, you know. Like, but it's like we were seeing something that we know that we just, I just want people to see it, and yeah. you know, like, I'm not the match guy. Like, oh, this was a great match, but it was like in the context of the actual, like, being there and seeing it. I think if people are match people, like, if they like matches pro wrestling matches it that's it's going to rate really well for those people you know um because yeah it took us away and i've got screen captures of like my face like i put that out on twitter like <laughs> like the the fucking like it was just ridiculous it was like it was that was like oh oh, oh yeah yeah i saw that picture and uh i i, I like i like my little comment of uh we now have six more weeks of wrestling yeah you made a groundhog uh yeah yeah um yeah, give me six more weeks of just that match. I'll take it because yeah, incredible. So yeah, great show. As I said, got to meet some some lovely people there. Um, Jem was great with us, got a hand, guiding us around. Yeah, business and yeah, yeah, that was good. Helping us to meet people and lots of friendly people. Pushing us into different places. Go over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which was lovely. Really appreciate it. It's great to, it's, for me, it was like great to meet someone that I've been uh, with, you know, Twitter is what Twitter is. And it's like, Oh, hello. You're a real person. I'm a real person too. Yeah. And it's like kind of cool. Um, And yeah, really, I, I said, I, it, it made us feel very comfortable because you could hear her from the back of the room, uh, letting people know <laughs> what she thought of. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's Jim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so, yes, it sort of gave us a bit of courage to be a bit louder. And gave um, us like, a, as I knew she would, gave us a rundown on all the, the Melbourne wrestling. Like, oh, yeah, that's him and he's from there and, yeah, he's great. And, yeah, what do you think of him? Yeah, and, yeah no, it's cool. Yeah, we know where they trained. It's like you had a, a, you had a, a living version of like a wrestling Pokédex. 
Yeah, it was like um, yeah, it was like guiding us. It was like a, like a tour guide. I, I get that reference now, Red. I understand. Yeah, I was just gonna say, no one got the Pokédex reference. Uh, no, I get it now. I get it now. I've seen, I've seen that. I've seen that. I don't know how to use it, but I've seen it in action. Just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun! The Stiff Boys are back. And two out of three, that's a th- almost a third, of the tripod went to Melbourne to go and see Tamashi. And I know what you're thinking. No, Yoshihashi was not there. But a lot of New Japan stuff went down. Not a single frown was had in Melbourne town. My name is the ravishing, 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 ravishing. My name is the ravishing Red Rude, the dictator of dicks. And I'm joined as always <laughs> over yonder by the Togemorphin himself, the hair care devastator solution providing streaks. You want curls in your hair? The man's got it for you. He's a guy who is good with hair. That's That's what he is. Dr. Dave Bruden. <laughs> Thank you, Edley. Hi, everyone. And as always, the man is always fashionably late to his own shows, especially ones in Melbourne across the continent. He is the raker of Salika. He is the innovator of managing to fit 28 hours into 24 days. He is the man <laughs> makes the show, edits the show, does everything for the show. He is the chocolate mouse himself. Dr. Julius mm. Josh mm. Crichton. Mm. Thank you, Red. I have a lot of questions about Tamashi. Ask one. Yeah. Well good start. What was it like like what was what was the vibe like there this time? Because we went to the Sydney one. Um what was the, the crowd like this time? Similar or hot? Mm. The crowd was hot. It was, a, I reckon it was a smaller crowd. It was yeah. a smaller venue for sure. Yeah. yeah, smaller venue, smaller crowd. Um, so a bit more intimate. Lot there's still plenty of standing room, so they probably could have fit more people in. But like all the seats, I don't know. There's probably was there like three uh, it, along the sides of the ring. There might have been four rows of seats. Yeah. And then, there's probably a few more at the. It was deceptively large, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a decent sized crowd, but yeah, as Dave said, it was very invested. Yeah, it was a good venue. I liked that as a venue. Cool venue, yeah. Which which venue was it? The Croxton, which is a predominantly a band venue. The Croxton's in pre, in uh, Thornbury. Oh, so it was in Thornbury again. Yeah. On High Street, so not far, like literally less than two hundred meters from Welcome to Thornbury Red. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um. So near my old house, and the Croxton is kind of like they've done a lot of work to that place, but it used to be the fight pub back in the day where it was like rough as fuck. Uh, the Croxton is a notorious name, but these days they they've done a lot of work in there, and these days they get a lot of good bands and stuff. So. They really changed the the image or the uh, the identity of the of the venue, which is cool. And like, did you find like the crowd to be quite knowledgeable? Like, obviously, everyone's there for because they know what New Japan is and all that kind of mm. stuff. But like, 
with like, you know, just from your own interactions with people, did you get much of a gauge from people that like, you know, New Japan was kind of like big? Like, you know, I know it's a bit of an isolated thing to sort of talk about, but did you have many conversations with people about the future of New Japan and what's been going on, the pandemic this year? Anything really sort of stand out with the crowd? I, you could tell from uh, the crowd's knowledge of the indie guys that there were fans there from, that were fans of like um, Melbourne City Wrestling. Yeah, I, I got that sense of people there that had maybe not had seen a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they were there for those particular acts or they'd come along or New Japan okay. fans had brought someone along with them. We, we met a couple of those people that were going to their first event or their first New Japan event or their first pro wrestling event. Um, we saw a few of them. You could hear them. But there's a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of new, it's clearly it's a New Japan crowd, a lot of New Japan shirts and like people wearing shirts that are, that are years old, you know, like you can tell that they've been fans for a, a while, um, you know. But I would say, as you said, Dave, I'd say there was um, definite, there was like family and friends too, which is always cool, different. You could definitely hear certain acts yeah. that had certain guys had people there that were family and friends but yeah it was a more um yeah i guess it was kind of felt more independent in that sense yeah nice um beck and her dad were there red oh lovely lovely miss seeing them yeah beck came and said hello then Chad got a dad at the end he's always up for a chat yeah beck came and was like um she was like talking to Kyle Fletcher in the meet and greet or something earlier. And she's like, Oh, Kyle knows, you know, the new an Osprey, they know who I am. It's like, of course they do, Beck. Like, what do you get? everyone knows who you are? It's like <laughs> biggest fan in the country. Um true. Yeah, sure. She really is. And so um, yeah, that was nice. Came along and saw us before the show. And um, yeah, it's a cool venue in the sense because you've got this sort of especially during intermission, it's quite a nice little mingle venue, you know, you can kind of mingle mm. um amongst people. Um more so than perhaps in a, you know, a traditional kind of theater or, um, you know, any other larger style venue. Um, so that was kind of cool. It's kind of nice to mingle and meet. Um, we saw one of the lads from uh, the Never Open. Yeah, I think Luke that's... from Never Open. Yeah, came oh, really? on and said hello. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there was there any doctors there? No doctors. There might be there might be a new doctor on the cards. Oh, or, or a detective perhaps. <laughs> Detective Detective Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> random shit, red like very random. Josh and I were being before the show started incredibly pretentious and talking about ourselves <laughs> and the show <laughs> and what we were thinking and just sitting down in our seats, we're talking about the show, some format things, what we're looking at, talking off the back of the awards. We're just talking about ourselves because you know that's what we do. It's, we don't have a personality if not for ourselves did you uh <laughs> did, you, did you plug the show boys we, we didn't even have to we inadvertently plugged the show because we're there talking and then all of a sudden halfway through the thing the guy sitting next to me just says hey hey, hey hang on a second <laughs> he's like um are you guys are you guys we work stiff guys <laughs> and we're like we're like yes he goes oh josh i tweeted you today and i was like Oh, he's like, Lewis. I'm like, oh, he did. He said, I might see at the show. It's like, we fucking sat next to him. <laughs> Completely just well, by I'm, chance. By by default, I'm just glad a Lewis was beside you guys. That, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, he was, he was monorary red for the evening. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he he was he was added to the conversation. He was getting in there. It was great. He's actually even got a question here with us tonight. 
uh, which is great. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's either a great thing for him or a terrible thing for him. He was stuck sitting next to us for four hours. <laughs> but he goes, he goes, uh, uh, what did he say? I was, I was sitting here and I thought, like, I could hear your voices and I thought it was you and I was talking to my mate. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to sit. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely them. I'm going to ask <laughs> if it's them. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he said hello and then introduced us to his mate and he's he goes, oh, I haven't heard you. His mate goes, I haven't heard your podcast before until – like the drive here, I was listening to it like the 15 minute drive to get here. And I'm like, what the fuck? Mine fucking blown. Oh, I was. And then I said to Dave, I said to Dave, I was already, I think I was two drinks in at that point. I'm like, I look around this room and I look at people looking at us and think, how many of them are looking at us knowing who we are? <laughs> and incredibly egotistical at this point. But I was looking for side glances. I'm like, people out there that are looking over our way. Uh, anyone that sees us, come and say hello. And yeah, when Luke so. from Never Open, he said, oh, I, I saw you and I was like, hat and glasses, <laughs> hat and glasses. That's you, Josh. We work stiff, hat and glasses. Yeah, that's you. And so now I've got a gimmick. Um, I've got to keep wearing the hat and glasses to shows now. Um, so, yeah, yep. And so ultimately that was really cool and that was nice. That's and lovely. That's awesome. That's so nice to hear. How, how flattering that would have been to be sitting beside a guy who actually listened to the show on the way to the show. So, I it mean, like- it, was fucking, it was weird, Red. It was yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. Um, Lord Andy Coyne has a question, Dave. Lord Andy ah, has asked the, a question. Uh, the announcer. Yes, he has. He's added a question here. Um, we didn't get a chance to see him. He was holding court at the bar. Uh, didn't get a chance to have a chat as we walked past. But uh, next time we'll get a we'll corner him. Um, but he asked, uh, was there anyone from the New Zealand dojo that you felt really stood out for you? He was asking Dave. Okay. Jake Taylor is, I think, is. The, the guy that I think stands out and I can go into detail, but I do think the two young boys in the the opening match were encouraging. I thought they really were good at engaging the crowd, which was Yeah, Shep. that was with, uh, against Gore. Gore. And, uh, who was the other guy, the big, bigger fella? Uh, yeah, those two guys were, they were pretty good. We chatted, we sort of chatted to one of them on the way out as they were packing up the ring. We talked to Shep. Shep. Yeah, Shep. Uh, Shepard Alexander, who was they were the boy, well, we talked to the other guy too. He was, he was cracking jokes the entire time. Oh, um, see, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was. I, I liked him because I thought he had a. He was the young boy that looked like a child that was in the match against Gore. Yeah, and uh, I think he's not Nikolai. Um, and he was like talking the best. He has great shit talking game. He was hilarious. Like they were trying to because I mean Gore is a funny dude, so they're like making jokes, and he's battling with them and i was like this young boy is showing personality and then he had to like jump back into his like i'm gonna get him up and at him persona and then he would sort of like slip back into a little cracker joke here or there yeah um but yeah it was really a trip when we were talking to chef shepherd alexander at the back end of it and he's like oh i just really want to thank you guys for what you're doing for the thing <laughs> mate just stop right now <laughs> no need no need to no need to have this conversation um, oh, was he saying that he listened to the show and he was thanking? No, he follows the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Dave is was plus. See, this is why it's important that I'm conscious for these things because I'm I'm the tracking what's actually happening in this thing. Meanwhile, Dave's either uh, just off or or he's candidly recording me. Apparently, as I've now found from half of the fucking footage that he sent through, just a <laughs> random candid. I'm just like having a chat to Robbie Eagles, and all of a sudden, I've got candid camera over next to me. <laughs> 
well, invasion of privacy at the highest level, Dave. You'd... Trying to give a bit of diversity, diverse footage for the uh, the mini blog. Yeah, as I as I sneak in and steal, uh, I take away those poor the poor fans that are getting a good chat with Robbie, and it's like get out of the fucking way. Yeah, I was, actually, I was actually going to start recording like a thing where I was trying to get there. And I was going to record a thing where I was trying to get a flight, the flight cancelled. Then I was going to like try and find a train station or train tracks and pretend like I couldn't get the train. And then I was going like to run after a bus in town and like pretend like the bus just left. And then I was going to have me hitchhiking. You, you know what I mean? Like, I was going to try and have all these scenarios. You, you nearly described my Saturday, Red, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, planes, trains, automobiles literally rolls up as everyone's walking into the venue. Like, yeah. Right, so when I when I was talking to Dave, I was at work and I got a message from Dave saying, love you, bud, wish you were here. And I was like, yeah, I know, of course. Um, but then he's just like, I'm just waiting for Josh. And I was like, I just assumed that he was saying waiting for Josh is like, Josh went off and did something else during the day or Josh is in the toilet. But like, then when I, but you literally just got there and had to get there. Yeah. Yeah, so I was down. I was down at Welcome to Thornbury. I was like, "Oh, I'll just have a beer and wait for Josh." And it's like, "Yeah, I've landed. Uh, I think I'll be this time." Uh, and I'm like, "Oh, just come here and have a beer." And then it kind of got closer and closer to the doors opening at the venue. And I'm like, "I'll just meet you there." Yeah. <laughs> I was standing out the front with Jem, having a chat, and then Josh sort of strolled across the road. I'm like, "All right, well, we're uh, we're going in." Yeah. Wait, so. Wait, you guys didn't stay the night prior, or no, no. You I flew the in. I flew in on the out. day. Yeah, I yeah. flew on the day. Um, so my flight was delayed. I had two flights, and I had. I mean, it's a difficult one to describe coherently. I had multiple flights delayed, so I had one flight basically borderline cancelled. They switched planes on us. That was exciting. Um, and I had so I was at Gold Coast Airport for. I think I was there for five and a half hours. Um, you explained to them you had a show to get to? Oh, well, I mean, it, look, put it this way. Uh, I've seen the videos of people in airports. I don't want to be one of those guys. Um, I just sat there. There's nothing they can do. So it's just happening. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I was like, it's like, it's all good. Because it was like I had allowed about four hours you know, of time to get to the show. We hadn't, we didn't have meet and greet tickets. Um, so I wasn't worried about um, that per se. Um, you know, we get our meet and greets after the show. That was a better venue for that too, because the wrestlers were just kind of cool, hanging right? out, having a drink around, like around the edge of the bars, and so you could go up and say good fire, which I think is a really cool. good yeah. If you want, Anza to was just shop. fucking sitting there drinking a can, like yeah. I like I like that style, and I think that's that feels more like you know true pro wrestling to me in a lot of respects. Is like yeah. building that connection from the ground up, especially with the new brand. So I like that. I think that's a good way to go. So as a as a consequence, I was like, oh, we don't have to worry about being there early for the meet and greet stuff. But so I was like, oh, but allow four hours between the show. So I allow four hours for for me to be able to land, go to the hotel, drop my shit off, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, my flight's delayed by three and a three and a half hours. So now I've got I've got about forty minutes to get from the airport to the hotel, to the hotel, uh, check in. Because I got to check in there before. Before, if I don't check in there, I won't be able to check in when we finish. Because the show will be finished before. Uh, be too late. So I got to get there, check in, drop my shit off. That's the other thing. Drop my shit off. Get back. Jump in the Uber. Get back down there. Um, luckily, I was close enough to the venue. It wasn't too hard, and you know the Ubers were there pretty quickly. 
Um, but yeah, so I ended up getting there at about seven forty four. I don't know. We were everyone's walking in, so um, Bell was at eight. So I made it. I had fifteen minutes to spare. So uh, it, it was it was close. As I said, uh, Red, um, you would have been on that flight with me most likely. So that would have been a fun, exciting adventure. <laughs> um, had, you, had you come, could you? The heightened anxiety. Red would have been like, I need smoke. <laughs> No, I would have been chill. I'm a new man, boys. I'm a new man. I would have been chill. Um, but luckily enough, we got there. But when I got there, I'm like completely just like... You haven't caught up yet. I'm just like, okay. It's also like I've just come from 5,000 degrees on the Gold Coast to cold Melbourne. I'm like completely over the place. I don't know what I'm doing. It was great. And mm-hmm. I was got in there and I, I think it was good. I think it was a good position to come into the show with because I came in like my brain was just drained. I was ready to just... Just, just let loose. Yeah, um, it was a very loose experience. I can tell you that right now. Apologies to anyone that uh, was like forced to sit around us at that point. Um, but if for people that like the show, they got virtually a, they got like a, a live recording <laughs> of the show uh, there and in person because we did not shut up for the entire no, time. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, and I got the full story. And actually, I was just going to say before, truth be told, I don't know what with the whole Wagga Wagga thing. If you are going to fly any kind of like plane company going to a wrestling event, it should be Virgin. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually got to fly back on Qantas and it was great. I highly recommend yeah, that was, it. That's the funny thing. We got back and Josh is like, yeah, so my uh, my flight tomorrow got cancelled. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yep. Uh, and so I'm like, so I'm leaving earlier. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's about four o'clock in the morning now, and I got to get up at about half past six. <laughs> uh, it was it was a it was a big experience. It, I mean that 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 aside, it sounds like the venue would have been way up my alley. Not. Oh, you loved it. Right? Uh, it sounds like I like those. I really like. More in Sydney, I love the PWA venue. Yeah. Too. It was a bit more, it was a bit more like the brewery show, but yeah, yeah, but in a but in a band venue, not not, not shitting like what the Sydney venue we were at, but um, I it, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't the same connection as what we got yeah, at the PWA I, show. Definitely it's sounds different. like a much more intimate, yeah. intimate sort yeah. of like, yeah. I still think the I think still think the Sydney venue can have its ironically the Sydney venue probably would have played better with this card at that venue in terms of the the type of matches with the size and scale and of you know production's not the same level obviously so um, it's a different sort of feels more independent but it's very hard to compare and I, we'll get into discussion about it in terms of the Tamashi stuff and I'll look for some of these questions and see if we can have a sort of flesh it out. But undeniably, it was a um, it was an elite level sort of. I, I think the the back the second half post intermission was like high high level pro wrestling, um, and better than any. The, I think better than anything on the card. The Sydney show, the first one. I think the the last couple of matches were there wasn't anything that was as good as those on that card. So, um, so the last matches in the Melbourne show were the better matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like that. Robbie Eagles, Kyle Fletcher match, I've heard across the board from everyone who was there and saw it was that it was absolute must-watch wrestling. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. Is there a, there's a question? I don't know if anyone's got questions. I think most people know that we're going to talk about it and they haven't bothered asking me a question about it because anyone that's following the show knows that that's all I'm going to I'll just ask you now because I've been jonesing because I've just seen what you guys have sent me, dick pics and just like stuff like that. But uh, it... 
tell me about that match. I want to hear about that match. The, the crowd must have been electric and just going banana. The crowd was very invested. And like when one person would get up, everyone fucking got up. It was, um, that might have been us getting up. <laughs> everyone <Yeah>. else got <laughs> up. Oh, they better. Because um, the best way to describe it is, hmm, like I felt like, the crowd, it was an invested crowd for the entire show in the sense, but I think everyone coming into that felt like that match had this potential. Like it just had potential. Like as soon as that car, like I remember saying it to Dave, um, you know, like when the car was announced and I saw that match, I was like, oh, it's like, it's like banger alert where it's like everyone knows it's going to be just a yeah. sort of- <clears throat> And I messaged Josh and I'm like, could be the best 12 minutes of our life because we, Kind of like I somewhat assumed that it would be like a strong sort of tama than the previous experience where it was like pretty short, but mm. it went long. It went a while. Twenty six minutes. Yeah, twenty six minutes. Yeah, right. They pushed it close to the. They pushed it close to the um to the time limit. Thirty minute sort of t- strong style um system. And. The show, I mean, that probably is a, a probably a good spot to talk about from a general standpoint of the show because the the match itself is emblematic of what I think the whole show is and what it's what it transformed to. And not to you know, I'm not going to put into that, but talking to Robbie after the show, we talked about that exact aspect of this one was very different format wise than the first Tamashi show we went and saw. It was like oh, okay. this one was like a New Japan show that you would see um, in Japan in terms of the layout. Like the layout was you had your undercard um, sort of multi-man tags, young boys matches, and you might get a specials, which is kind of like a strong, you get a special singles, but it's still with a young boy involved, which is not uncommon in a New Japan setting. It was Jarvis and uh, Mulu. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that was that was where you got the sense, the, the, the break in the crowd where you'd have the fans of the Melbourne city sort of wrestling or Melbourne wrestling independent scene where Jarvis came, comes out and people know who he is and are booing him. And then half the crowd don't know who he is. So you've got this like new Japan fandom that are watching new Japan and there for new Japan. And you've got the independent fandom that are there as well. And it's kind of cool to see the two of them yeah, sort of meet. Cool. Um, and you sort of being educated. Cause I remember saying as just young Jarvis kid comes out, I'm like, I'm guessing he's supposed to be the heel. Like you can guess from the crowd reaction. Um, he was very talented. I thought he had a lot of showed a lot of promise um, against the a plucky underdog babyface monster, monster, <laughs> big rich, uh, doing big rich things. Um, but the the show built, so they're having the ten minute sort of undercard matches, and we thought, oh, well, it's following a similar pattern. Everyone, we're sort of saying everyone's getting a similar amount of time. It's probably going to be like Tamashi Sydney, and we're probably going to get you know the ten minute matches all the way through. And then they sort of hit in a mission, and we're like, "That's this." Is, I remember we were talking to people um, about it, saying it's a good show, it's really fun. It's you know these guys, as I said, um, the young boys getting back to Lord Andy Coyne's question, you know, getting to see. I actually had a chat with Lewis next to me about how cool it is to be able to invest in the young boys. You know, we Jake Taylor seeing him up close and personal, like, "Ooh, he's looking, yeah. he's looking great. He's looking very close to." being almost ready, you get the sense like he's getting really yeah. close and you feel like with Tamashi, they're going to start building those stories of graduation through Tamashi, you know, like yeah. um, that he may actually graduate on that show rather than, you know, outside of it. Um, so I think he's most impressive, but you're getting to see those young boys and we're having that chat about, oh, this is cool, the undercard, you, that's exciting. You're seeing them in different tag contexts and wrestling different guys. That was cool. 
because um, they were wrestling the Philip boys. Had the star backs on. Yeah. Yeah, they came out looking like book me in Japan right now, please. They were very uh, – it was – they looked like stars. There's no way to put it. They looked like a finished product ready to go. Yeah. Like, we didn't know what we were in for. We were pretty much enjoying the show at, at intermission, and we're like, yeah, this is great. But we weren't quite sure – I mean, we joked, you know, it's going to be Eagles and Fletcher are going to have this match. It's going to be in the same vein as everything that we've seen at this show and then in previous shows. But it wasn't like that. You know, the last time that Tamashi show we went to felt short, you mm. know, because every match was kind of quick. This one obviously surprised us. And when we got Slex versus Aaron Solo, um, yeah. that was kind of the first like, oh. Jimmy Wade Slex. Yeah, we have a, we actually have got a we have got a question from Lewis. That's Lewis's question, um, which is his uh, uh, at uh, he's got his handle Hideki Suzuki's purple trunks uh, at Lewis six five six two nine two three five. I don't know if he's put on his credit card details as well on his handle there, Lewis. <laughs> um, but he asked, uh, when are we getting Slex in New Japan, and who will be his fellow? Absolutely not a junior weight tag partner. Um, <laughs> Because we had the conversation about obviously um, he's a TMDK guy. He's in. Uh, he's getting a booking on New Japan at Tamashi. It's an opportunity. Uh, he's clearly not. A, I mean, he's not a junior. Like, but he could be a power junior. He's a very big boy. We love Slex. We're very big on Slex here. Yeah, we Slex Slex Slexed for you, Red. We uh, yeah. We we definitely Slex 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 for Slex Luger. We were, and... There was all sorts of Slex. Innuendo going on. Oh, yeah. They should be a team. We we came up with the greatest thing. Yeah. As I said, solo slacks. Yes. You know, <laughs> which I said describe my 20s. And then Dave <laughs> said end party of 30s, which I thought was, was unkind, but accurate. <laughs> uh, it was it was kind of nice um to sort of see him again after seeing him years back on um those original New Japan shows that we sort of attended. He was one of those guys. Um Against Solo, who was playing definitely got to play the heel this time as opposed to his previous oh. performance. Well, because in this context, Slex is he's a Melbourne guy, right? He's yeah. a Melbourne guy, so he's he is yeah. over like Rover, and that was that was probably wise booking in in the sense that I think they want Solo to be the heel um, of of the of the promotion and one of the heels of the promotion of his own little thing because they're, they're flying him out from the states, so like. He's clearly a key commodity that they're trying to build and they're putting him against uh, the night before in Sydney, he wrestled Robbie Eagles in Sydney. So yeah. it's pretty clear where he's being positioned. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, uh, and spoilers will be spoilers for Tamashi chat here and a lot of this stuff's being spoiled on the internet anyway. So um, I don't want to spoil, spoil on me, baby. Yeah. Solo beating Slex was quite a surprise. And I don't think many people in the audience kind of expected that. Solo beat Slex in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... yeah. What, did he, what was the movie beating with again? Pedigree, uh, so that was a that was a great, <laughs> was a great touch. Yeah, because he hit uh, the pedigree in Sydney when we saw him. Yeah, yeah, he does yeah. the pedigree, but uh, to win in a pedigree in a, a New Japan yeah. Pro Wrestling, yeah. it got heat immediately, yeah. instant <laughs> instant heat. Uh, people were not happy. That's brilliant. I, I actually think I turned it definitely. That, that was really good. Like that was yeah, that's pretty good. I was like oh, okay, and then uh, we realized now what the match is coming. But we still were thinking, you know, twelve minutes or whatever is going to. Yeah, I was pioneering. 45 go 45 go 45 i was yelling (laughs) yeah there's 30 minute time limit but dave was convinced it could go 45 
um he started and it was it was done like ironically because that was the idea of like this match is only going to 12 and dave was like protecting our feelings for this you know it was going to be but we knew early i i looked at dave about five minutes in the match i'm like this is going long it's like this is because the way they were working like but what was great about it this is what i was sort of getting at the bigger picture thing of what this match actually represents because i think it's going to be one of the more important matches in perhaps the sort of history of new japan australia relationship because it was like the first like the first shows that we went to, it like Tamashi shows, were they had they were like had Kenta and they you know they they were bringing sort of Japanese legends and talent across to represent New Japan Pro Wrestling. That makes sense, you know, people know those names and that's New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I think a big thing to some extent is that New Japan that Robbie Eagles is New Japan Pro Wrestling too. Like he's he represents New Japan Pro Wrestling, he represents KLC. That's who he is. He may be an Australian pro wrestler and he may have come through Australian independent scene and grown up through that. But he now is a he's a two-time champ, like he's a tag champ, uh, junior heavyweight champ. He's a New Japan star. So he might be Australian, but he is. And Fletcher has established himself now quite quickly as being, you know, in the United Empire and associating with Will Ospreay, you get that immediate ingratiation with the, the company hmm. so it's two australian guys representing new in a new japan pro wrestling ring in australia that to me is what tamashi can kind of be where it's like the goal should be almost to to propagate more australian talent and have them in context that they wouldn't normally be able to have like having Liebird, lucci pwa wrestle mitch waterman of mcw hmm. in a new japan ring to me is an interesting way to grow up the the scene. Like that's a great way to introduce people to new people across the entire country. And hopefully over time, bring people up to the potential where they can go to Japan and then eventually come back and then give other guys the rub. You know, that's kind of the idea of like cycling through like we would see in the main event. So the match is like that on paper, like two weeks out of where it was now. So it's like, okay, well, this is going to be great. But then they start, you know, setting the stage for the story of the match. You know, Robbie's on Twitter with with Fletcher and they are constantly talking about the trainer versus the student. The guy that took him under his wing at 14 to train him is now wrestling him uh, back in, in Australian context, back in the ring, representing both representing the company that they've now found their way to. With Robbie being the, the smaller man and Fletcher being the younger man and kind of that, that dynamic being played out as, you know, experience versus potential. So you yeah. had this awesome story. And what was great was listening to, you hear the people behind us that one guy was like telling that story to one of the people yeah. that were coming to watch it. He's like, you're doing the refresher as they're walking out. Like this is what's happening. And it's like, that's what I love because it's so clear that that's what helps people invest into the story. So you could hear the whispering and the murmuring around about, this is not just two great new Japan pro wrestling wrestlers wrestling here. These guys have history. These yeah. have history and it's going to play out in a new Japan pro wrestling ring in Australia. And so I'm getting hyped because the guy behind me, I don't know who you were, but you're thank you for your service because it was great stuff hearing that sort of description. And I think it was multiple people talking about it, but it was great to know that I was getting excited by the the fact the crowd was so invested in it. And then they, they start the match. As I said, Dave, everyone else's matches have a sort of speed to them. This one has this different pacing to it. And T, they're doing the Kenna T spot. They start destroying the guardrail, which was a very interesting uh, choice. I made, I brought that out to Robbie again. It's like you knew what the the guardrail was not, it was not a stable guardrail. Everyone knew it. 
yeah. had been established earlier in the night. This guardrail is not going to hold anyone, and no one's getting held with guardrail. If you're at the in the front row, prepare your shins. You know, say goodbye to your shins. They may not. They may not make the night. And get ready. Get your lap ready. Um. So that they they but they tossing each other in the guardrail, which is the new Japan made of you know classic new yeah. Japan spot. We're doing it. Can out teeth. We're doing the throwing people in the guardrails. It's like okay. And then we do the fucking strong, we do the, you know, the fighting spirit spots. We're doing everything that we would do in a traditional New Japan main event style, except we're going to do it like juniors at a pace. Like it was, it was a great open weight pro wrestling match where they're both able to compete at a, a level that the speed of the match was so fast. I, I, I think maybe, I don't know, I'll let you have a chat to it, Dave, but I think, I mean, we went to see Robbie Eagles versus Will Ospreay in you know, Festival Hall. That was this incredible match. But I felt like this one was better. I was surprised at how, like, I knew, like, knew it was going to be good. But I, I was kind of, like, shocked at how fucking good it was. Yeah. I was like, I mean, does he transition into a singles wrestler like, <laughs> yeah. right away? Like, it's fucking out. Aussie Open's great, but. Fucking Kyle Fletcher as a single, and you know, open weight Bob is a thing. Yep, it's a thing. And, yeah, and he worked a different style, but he, you, what I loved about the open weight style that he can do is that he can bring the speed. He's like he's fast, in, but against juniors, they're all fast. So he he leans more heavily into working the leg and working to to ground the opponent because they're also quick. Yeah, break them down. Yeah, but, but against a big man, he doesn't have to do that as much. He can beat them with just. Fury and pace and just throwing his body into them at rapid speeds is kind of like he turned into like a cannonball Bob, you know, like he just was fucking launching himself. Yeah. Uh, including and like, is a, like a fast heavyweight, but mm. significantly bigger, like so much taller and like looking at them sort of against each other. I was like, well, fuck like Fletcher's a, he's a pretty big dude and he's only feeling out more and more up close. Yeah. I was sort of, Shocked at how big he was. He's big, yeah. He's he's I don't know six three, six four. He's tall, yeah. Um, and you, so you've got that dynamic. And I remember saying to you, like I was saying, I was saying to Lewis, I don't know which one I was talking to at the point. Sorry, Dave. But I was like saying he's not targeting the leg, so I'm concerned about him winning this match. But it was yeah. clear that the story was different because they were getting us on. They got us on a couple of false finishes. So I, I mean, they got the crowd. The crowd was invested, but. The the style of it was like, oh, we're starting to get to see a little bit of a story here where it's like, okay, he's open way Bob bringing everything he has. Like the, the classic story, I taught you everything you know, but not everything I know. Yeah. And and being able to counter him and like counter in and out. And, and the story was sort of Fletcher being able to also demonstrate that he could counter Robbie. But there are spots in this match, and I, I implore, when it gets goes live, people need to watch it because it's one of their spots that are just innovative from like – I mean, I think like Robbie got to a, he got to a uh, a poison runner out of a like a suplex. <laughs> I, don't, I don't exactly know how he did that, um, but it was this thing where we were joking because one, the lights and the roof were very low in this building. We had sort of said, "There's no way they're going to go for the 450 because we'd already seen earlier in the night um, Solo hit his head on the roof uh, when he was going for. Yeah, and then was being lifted up for a suplex and was like kicking the lights. <laughs> yeah, 
So it was pretty clear. It was like, they're not going to go up there. And then we also looked at the guardrail and I just said to Dave, there's no way he's going to do the, the tornado. Like he's just not going to do the suicide tornado where he does the flip through. Robbie, would he won't do that. So uh, I was wrong on both fronts because he, <laughs> he he went for the 450 and he hit, which I, I, I understand where people talk about high spot, like a high spot, the prototypical high spot where every person in the building gets up off their seat. Yeah. And cannot believe because no, everyone in that building knows no one's going to try that. <laughs> like no one's going to try and run full speed and do a front flip. The guardrail is literally like a meter from the apron. It's not. There's no mats. There's no. There's no space. There's no mat. Like, uh, was it Richards hit the hit his head on the mat and like gave himself a mouse and hit it on the on the concrete feet. floor. He's a he he took a he took every bump he took. He took like he was, it was his last bump. He fucking gave it everything, including headbutting the floor um, right in front of us. And we were like, oh, and then he gets up and it's like he's bleeding. So we're like, so we're establishing early. There's no way anyone's going to take anything that crazy to this spot. Um, And then I I start tapping Dave. Like I start hitting him like, because it's, they're doing this. I'm like, he's setting up for it, Dave. Get ready with your camera. You know, look, he only had one job. He had one job. Get ready with your camera, Dave. So Dave gets his camera ready. It's going to be an amazing clip for people when they finally go live on on New Japan World and they can see Dave's recording. Dave filming himself. I uh, did. You you'll probably see me in the footage. Like I was fucking. You were two I, feet away. Yeah, you ended up over there. I don't know what you did. I, I was like leaning over and like I fucking would have been the best footage ever. Oh, oh man! Except you forgot to hit record. I think for Dave. Yeah. And so what is great? So anyway, it doesn't matter. Someone got it from the other angle, and I've yeah. I've since credited them and sent it out on the Twitter. Uh, you can see Dave, you can see Dave right in there with the camera up. But when Robbie hits this spot, he goes flying about six rows deep. I don't know where he ends up. He ends up in the crowd. Uh literally like I think he went two rows deep. And the, the like the um the rail gets pushed way back into the front row and with Fletcher's body with on Fletcher's, it. Fletcher's like sprawled across it. Robbie just about lands on his head and straddles him. <laughs> like it was fucking nuts. And, and the whole the rail crowd, yeah. bends around Fletcher's body yeah. in the front row. So we've got like the front row's knee indentations into the rail. Everybody in that front row is just like mm. engulfed in this one. It was one of the most insane bumps were, I've seen. Were there drinks spilled? Were there drinks oh, everything spilled? was spilled. Everything. Everywhere. It was nuts and the reaction i have not heard a pop like it because it was like a i checked the attendance there on new japan waters just under 400 people in the building and they went banana they lost their shit i didn't realize i was like eight feet away from my seat until i turned around i just got (laughs) up and started walking i was like holy fuck and then i look and everyone was doing that and then everyone is doing that everyone is out of their seat and it is this Dave. It's like Dave's trying to record and show what's happening. It was, it was an unreal spot that you just couldn't believe. And they were like, "Holy fuck!" It was like, and then that was, but that was signaling. So people out there watching, that was signaling. Now the match is going to the next gear. That was not like it was like that was a transition spot. It was like, okay, yeah. now we're ready to go. And from that moment on, it just kept peaking and peaking to the point like I lost my voice. I popped. I lost my voice on that one spot. Lost it. Gone. And you'll hear it in the the vlog. It just disappears. But 
this is the type of match. And as I said, that's the type of thing. Like this is the, our show, other people that were there, people on Twitter. This is the type of thing that I believe has the greatest potential to build the brand because it's it's this mystery of this thing of we saw this thing. Yeah. And New Japan's got this thing that's happening on this night that New Japan fans who love Kyle Fletcher or United Empire, who love Robbie Eagles, they'll just yeah. be salivating wanting to see this. And I understand people being out there being like, you know, the hype will get so high, the match won't live up to the hype. And I can, I hope the crowd noise is translated because it was half, not half. I mean, the boys did, they did 99.95% of the work, but the little bit that the crowd was able to contribute to keep getting there with them as they just went on from that moment on, when Robbie did that, it was like, it flipped the switch and everyone was excited about the match and both competitors and were supporting it. Like there was an Aussie wrestling chant early yeah. in the match of like just everyone's so proud yeah yeah there was definitely that it was like everyone was just uh kind of co- like together and connected and like you know i i felt and i, I wrote it in like dave Meltzer wrote in a tweet this week about oh what was the best match for the week and you know listed some matches and i went through what other people had said and i'm like uh dave you need to watch fletcher and eagles from tamashi in melbourne and then i put historic at the end of it because that's what it it felt Mm. like Mm. felt like a historic moment in in australian wrestling and to the point of uh you know the amount of people and uh in the venue and what what tamashi can be if moments like that happen at these events and they're intimate that's going to create buzz and it's going to create like hype around, oh, we've got to go to that show, get a ticket. There's, it's going to be small, but fuck, who knows what's going to happen. It could be crazy because that match was fucking insane. As I said, to me, I, I haven't seen, you know, I've been fortunate in, to see certain matches and go to certain events. Like I always thought Eagles Osprey was the best match. I, I just feel like that was the best match I've ever seen in, in person because it had, it just, the feel, like I said, the, the, Everyone was hoping and wishing and praying for it to live up to, to, to showcase what Australian wrestling can be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't just I want to. It wasn't just that the crowd was like I want to watch a good match from a selfish perspective. I want to go and be entertained and have a good night at the matches. And I think a lot of people that's that's great. And most time people go for that, and that's that's great. Pro wrestling is great, great escape opportunity for entertainment. But it felt like in that venue, it was an opportunity for people to be like this is a chance to really showcase because it's not, it's not, it's, it's two Australian guys in the new Japan context. Let's, let's hope they can deliver. And we think they can. And it was like on that move on that high spot, it was like, Oh, they're going, they're giving us everything they got. They're doing the thing. And they're, and they're they're like, they're sticking the landing. It's happening. They're doing this. And it was like this realization of like, we're all, they're going to give us the best showcase for Australian pro wrestling. You could possibly have, and anyone that's going to see it, it's going to be like Australia's producing the best young pro wrestlers out there because look at this elite talent they can have in the semi-main event in this open weight mm. showcase match. And as you said, Dave, for the people that are there, like, like all you have to do for this Walker thing, if you want to get every four, one, every one of those four hundred people there is in the Oceanic Oceania Cup, have Fletcher be involved in in the tournament as well as Eagles and the potential that they could meet at some point. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone's gonna be like, "Holy fuck, let's make this a thing," because it had it was yeah. And I just feel like in Australia we do get independent pro wrestling. Independent shows can be great. You can you get like the velocities versus Aussie Open, and that was awesome. But it feels like what New Japan can do is kind of be the super indie, 
where yeah. it kind of can combine a lot of the best independent talent with the top end New Japan talent. And there are levels. Like, there's no getting away from it. There's just not any getting away from it. There are levels to this game. And when you see a guy like Eagles and a guy like Fletcher in the ring, you yeah. just go, holy fucking shit. It, like, it gave me, watching that show and seeing that match happen, and even the main event, we'll get to that. But seeing that match, it made me really happy about TMDK having Zack Sabre Jr. Because I'm like, well, if that match can happen on Tamashi, then there's no reason why TMD, TMDK can come over, can't come over, and Zack can have a fucking main event TV title match on mm-hmm. Tamashi and have a fucking banger here in Australia as well. Yep. Yep. And they're making it clear, you know, Australian, British, they're kind of making that combination. I know Zach's going to, he's going to be in the, uh, in America to defend the TV title against the LA Dojo boy. He's put a challenge out to a young guy. Um, I'm hoping it's Gabe Kidd. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah that would be, that would that be would ideal. Be. Um, but I do think that that direction, you're right. It opens up the potential, we, you know, for, for like, it doesn't, like I said, Fletcher, you go, okay, Fletcher, you know, yeah. he's a good tag wrestler. And he, I mean, we, I mean, look on this show, we, we all know where we stand on Kyle Fletcher. Um, but I, I felt so proud because I'm like, you know, I've been saying it for, you know, two years where I'm like, oh, he's Osprey too. He's the next, <laughs> he's Osprey too. And it's like, as like anyone in that building, it's like, he's Osprey too. Like, it's yeah. like, he is fucking great. And he did things in that match. And I've seen moves I don't know that I didn't know he had. Um, some of the tombstone things he did were mm. horrifying, terrifying. Some of the counter wrestling, and that was what I think it was tied to the story, and everyone could get into it because it's like, it's, this idea that Robbie is going to try to prove that he still has all the tricks in, in, you know, he still knows a few more tricks than young Fletcher, who's the up and comer. And Fletcher shows that he's got all the counters to Robbie's like to his stuff. Um, and probably benefited from the fact it was a smaller ring. Cause I think he, the, if the Ron Miller, as I said, as I yelled out quite loudly, hopefully people heard, you know, it's a, it's a tap out in Rio Goku because he couldn't, he, <laughs> he was too tall. He couldn't, he, he only to move two steps to get to the ropes. Um, but the crowd was so invested in that match. For listeners out there that obviously weren't in the building, um, it's a it's a must seek out. I know that you know we the the prisons of the moment, the atmosphere can capture and you get sort of into a rapture around it, and it can add obviously to the experience of, of seeing it. I am but looking I, forward to seeing it on New Japan World. I think it will translate. <laughs> I think it will translate. I, yeah. I and I hope that it it does, and I hope that um, people will won't you know say you're a liar. But it also shows how powerful twitter can be because there's only like 400 people in the building and that shit has flooded the timeline people are seeing it people talking about it um because i just think people like in the modern day you have you have to be for people to actively go out and tweet about something about seeing something it has to be great it has to be either terrible or great if it's if it's lingering in the middle people won't be as invested to talk about it um yeah it was a great a legitimately great match and i was as i said so proud to see it, I was like, "Look at telling stories, Robbie," um, and uh, you know. But it's it's that's the key. That's the key to to really get that level of investment. If you have that, um, it means more than just. And I know I I want to see Zach Sabre Junior here for sure, but it means more for Fletcher and and Robbie in that context. If you get what I'm saying, like it's cool to oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's and I I think you can have both. I think you can have both. That's what I meant. It opens up the opportunity to have both. Because you're going to get that potential yeah. for the banger, yeah. 
And I mean, like going forward, but I wasn't there, but based off the emotion, the two, I mean, I forgot I was doing a podcast for a second there. I was just listening to the two of you, but you used the term historic before of Fletcher and Eagles. I mean, like in those 400 people inside of there, you guys will always remember Fletcher and Eagles uh, going forward with Tamashi. It's like, it seems like they're definitely laying down the groundworks for what's going to be coming in the future. And if that historic match that you guys are saying is you know what I mean? Like we're gonna have bigger things coming. We've got obviously the Wagga Wagga thing, but in terms of Tamashi, um, you know, I mean, is it a like the next one that's announced? Sydney, Melbourne, wherever, Perth, we're all gone. But yeah, uh, what they are doing, and it's clear now uh, that sort of off the back of this tour of Tamashi, um, they are actually trying to write Tamashi history as well in other matches by actually shooting fucking angles they're shooting angles and telling stories and we'll get we'll get to the angles we'll get to the angle the big angle that closes the show but i think they're shooting angles for the big broad uh spectacle angles you know the clear yeah. story ones but they're shooting little angles there too Dave. they're shooting little stories because that interaction with fletcher and eagles at the end of that match yeah 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 it's said a lot yeah that's the type of stuff that I know that you and I fucking love. And uh, Owen uh, Jones, I think the, the big guy with the beard that's uh, taking the photos, he's great. Um, mm. uh, he got an awesome shot. I retweeted of between Robbie's arm looking up towards Fletcher. Robbie defeated in the corner, head in his hands, frustrated. I clearly frustrated with this realization that the student has passed him. Oh, that's a tough thing to deal with. Mm. Um, but Fletcher is offering his hand as to say like, and it looked like an offering his hand in join me. Like that's what it felt like. Not a, not a hand of respect in terms of shake my hand to, but a hand of join us, join us. And Robbie's like, I can't, I can't, you're not, you're not chaos. You're not one of my guys. I can't even give you that. But he goes out, his head in his hands and, you know, Robbie, when he came out, he gave us a, the big high five and that the only guy to do it. We got left hanging that many times. It wasn't funny. That was funny. <laughs> It was a running gag. It was the only thing working for us in the front row. It was working great for us. Everyone's getting touched. Everyone's getting something. Not us. Lewis is getting hand high fived. We're not us in the corner. Robbie though, big ones for us. But when he's leaving, none, none of that. None of that shit. It's it's telling that story that's pretty clear. It's like I was like, okay, okay, this is like it's as you like to say, Red. It's canon. Like it's it's really part of what they're trying to do. And that's I like the idea of we're going to tell Tamashi stories, mm. which I think the Rogue Army is a Tamashi story. But we're also going to tell New Japan uh, broader context, uh, yeah, broader context stories as well. Yeah. And I think the story of Robbie and United Empire is just beginning, and um, I'm I'm a hundred percent there for it. And I think that was a perfect match. You know, like a perfect match. It, it matched the tone of the building. It it raised the experience and the the emotion of the building, but it added to the legacy of the 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 both the brand and of each character going into it, and it provides directions coming out of it. Yeah, you just got it was a fucking home run of all home runs, and yeah, the best match I've seen live. And I think, um, I hope it goes out. And I know what I'll be putting in my match of the year. Like this year, I'm like I'm gonna be fucking yeah. gonna be advocating on behalf of that thing. And voice of wrestling. Get prepared i'm going to write 87 pages for that one because it was it was a special it was a special <laughs> thing and at the end of it everyone had the same joke of like good luck hanare yeah yeah everyone's like how the fuck is yeah hanare gonna follow that and uh i think i looked over at you and i was like well the only way you follow that match is by 
working fucking stiff. And uh, the boys come out and that work like Hanare and Caveman Ugg as the main event were fucking stiff as all get out. They were just into each other. Exactly. It was exactly what I would hope for in that kind of context because it was, as you said, Dave, it had to be stiff, but it was a New Japan main event. Mm. So it was like, it was almost like we got the junior slash heavy open weight style. As I said, open weight Bob is a thing. And if he wrestles that style, um, and if and if it signals a movement in the Never division, if ELP can win that Never belt, if we can signal that kind of direction for the Never open weight being, like I'd, I'd love to see that's where Kashida could probably get himself back into the the, the space, mm. where it's the, the mix between the the sort of athletic heavies and the juniors. Yeah. And if you could make that the never division, I would fucking that would be the identity I'd be crafting. Yeah. Because if if the template is uh Robbie versus Fletcher, that's the open weight style we're looking for. Because you put you replace Fletcher, you make that ELP. We know what that match is. Yeah. Right. But ELPs are heavy now. Yeah. So that's you know, that that would work. He's an athletic heavy. And there's enough athletic heavies and there's enough juniors that the junior division's stacked. So you yeah. need another space for them to work. And I think with, with ZSJ crafting the, the 15 minute time limit TV title Casio belt as the strong style belt, because that's what he's basically doing. Yeah. He's crafting it as that he's taking the neverness of the previous iteration and putting it on a clock, which is a mm. fucking ingenious idea. Yeah. It's cool. So he's taken that. So what can the never belt be? And I think we got an example of what it can be. And I'm like, never. Yeah. I said, and we, what else do we have? Robert, <laughs> Robert Never. We had never. We had we had a bunch of names for him during that. We had open my Bob. We never had, Bob. <laughs> never Bobby Never. We had Bobby Never. Uh, yeah, uh, I like Bobby Never. Yeah, Bobby Never was Bobby Never got over a little bit of a few of the the, the row, but like the uh, I went Robert at one point because I was like, don't do that, Robert. It was very scary. Um, or you could have open eagles. Well, that's possible. Open eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, it was it was an exciting um look at what's possible, but that was a a modern never style. Okay, so then it's like, all right, well, how they follow it? And as Dave said, let's work stiff. Um, and they decided, yeah, let's go a New Japan uh strong style. Let's slap the shit out of each other and commit to just beating each other up everywhere we can, and let's just add a level of violence that we can just. Like they went to the crowd, or oh, we can't do flips in the crowd. But what we can do is we can throw each other into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of meat getting thrown in the crowd. Yeah, you you want to talk about up close and personal? Everyone in the front row got to meet uh, an RA. The meet and greet happened in the main event because he just went around shopping. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we've got a question here. Uh, this is sort of getting to the point. A lot of these um, we're talking about it, but uh, I hope I get his name right. I'll do my best. Stuan Nguyen uh, at Devon Quest on Twitter. Uh, he said, after watching the Hanare Ugg match, can I confirm my understanding? The difference between a slap and a chop is the direction your thumb is pointing. And it's like, I think that's a clarification because we got to see both slaps and chops. And it was slap and chop. And normally you get the slapping sound, right? Yeah. There were some chop sounds that honestly were like thuds. Yeah. Like, they sound like leg kicks. <laughs> yeah, they they were heart stoppers. Like they, they were like the sound that there was one 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 that Hanare took that 
honestly, it sounded like a car door had shut. It was just like, yeah. it wasn't a slapping sound. It wasn't a chop like you'd normally hear. And they just wailed on one another. And uh, again, completely different style, but earning their role in the main event because the reason they had to be main event, we all thought, why are they putting this, the ma- why are they putting this last? It's like, there's a reason for it because they're telling the story and they've got some stories to follow. Yeah. But they kept, and I was, it was admirable because they kept, the, the crowd was hot and you thought, well, maybe they'll drop off for this. But they kept the crowd hot, but just in a different way, you know, like a different kind of shock and awe. It's, <laughs> it was just like that brutal shock and awe where everyone was like, holy fuck. you got to give both guys credit. Um, Cavemen are, he's great. Again, get that man to, a, get him to a Corican, um as quick as possible. I think he's, He's a type of character that will get over big time, but he is great. He's just a great pro wrestler. Um, and But in this setting, it was like a perfect setting because where we'd seen him past, you can, it was playing a little bit comedy and a different thing. This was a main event match kind of, all right. And Hanare is like, I'm here to prove that I'm the, the strongest guy um, in, you know, the, as he said directly to us, I'm the toughest motherfucker in wrestling. Um Directly into our face. I don't think. <laughs> That's right. Like, okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. You are. Um, but that was the idea of like, um, as you said, Dave. Like, it's a great. I think it's a great positive and a great a reflection on where Hanare has come. Where, he, like, I would have been shitting bricks. Like, I could not imagine walking out there after that match because yes, the crowd was up, Dave. But they were. We. I was in. I, I literally said, I said, I'll give you my best, mate. But I got nothing left. Like, I was drained. Yeah. And the crowd were drained, and it was like okay. And they just started from the minute one of just, all right, let's just hit each other really, really hard. And in a small venue like that, those chops were ridiculous. They were loud, and they didn't yeah. stop. <laughs> it just about vibrate on the up through the floor. Yeah, it was. It was, and they just went like that for I think probably close to twenty minutes. I don't know how long they went, but they just kept going. Yeah. Um. And obviously, it leads. Uh, we've got another question here from the Lone Star Texas Pete at Texas is underscore is underscore Pete with a big spoiler alert, but saying thoughts. Uh, this is on the finish because the finish of this, uh, poor Hanare. Uh, we should have known, Dave. I didn't think about it, but we should have known. Hanare is here. What's going to happen? The poor bugger gets screwed over as Caveman Ugg joins Bullet Club. Ugg Club. Well, uh, yeah, and this is kind of interesting. Like, so. This rogue army offshoot, Tamashi offshoot of of Bullet Club, comes out. It's like an Aussie. It's like an Aussie hot. Yeah, the yeah. Aussie house of torture. Kind of interesting. Like they recruited Liebird Lucci in at the Sydney. PWA show. Yeah, uh, and then they all kind of come down, interfere in the match, and uh, ask Ugg to join. And I was, I was like, ah, oh, he won't. I kind of like. I was like, oh, I don't think he'll join. He just seemed like an odd fit. And then when he did, I'm like, oh, actually, that makes makes sense. Yeah, they're recruiting this odd army, like live literally in Caveman. Yeah, 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 it's like a weird, <laughs> weird combination. Bonds of fits. Can I ask you guys this, though, based off, like, because you saw Liebert, Lucci, and Caveman, are, you know, obviously in PWA and Tamashi with Liebert, but did you guys have some sort of, like, a boy feeling? Like, there was some sort of, 100%. You know, we saw, you know what I mean? Like, you saw Liebert Lucci. It's like, Liebert, yo, Lucci. You know, because we had such a great time watching him before. And for the second thing with Ugg, it's like, yeah. We were telling Lewis next to us all about Liebert Lucci. It's like, he does a stroke. He's got the best stroke in the business. Just ask him. 
Yeah. Like it's it's kind of nice in that sense. You've seen the guys, and that's kind of the point of this, like seeing yeah. them progress and getting opportunity. Like, and the crowd were for it for Ugg to join because it wasn't like Bowie throwing the heel faction. It was almost like, oh, this might mean he's one step closer to getting over the New Japan in, yeah, in yeah. Japan. Like everyone's like, oh, there's a chance he might like. That's how people yeah, sort of perceive it. Was like it. a celebratory clap, but yeah, okay. yeah, it's like yes, the Uggs, Uggs joining, which you know, like yeah. So it's like clear that that's the direction they're going to make that like the the Tamashi faction. Yeah, and I saw Dave on Twitter. Carter Deems tweeted out, "Someone's got to put a stop to this." Uh-huh. So it's like this idea of like, all right, they're going to build, they're going to build a a, a rogue army heel faction that's going to interfere and do all that sort of shit. And they're gonna to have to have the faces to to battle them. So you're gonna to have to build another faction to compete. So it's like that's cool. Let's they're building. They're literally building it from the ground up. Yeah, because like, Mick Moretti didn't join. And no, he didn't. No, and on and yeah, that would be interesting. It's this really interesting. Like universes are colliding where you've got United Empire guys that obviously got their main main business over in in New Japan in Japan, but they'll come back and and help. Like Hanare comes over to help elevate UG and to get the angle over, and it also establishes a Bullet Club versus United Empire component in that element that could be revisited later at some point with UG, and it just it just feels like they're 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 just doing it right. They're doing it slowly, but people might go, oh, you know, what a fucking the Rose Gallery. What is what is this faction? But it's like it's a it's something it's consider it's a considered movement towards it it's not just we're going to put on great shows every couple of months and come down upon a show and we'll get to watch robbie eagles versus fletcher and go like that's great and it's great to see a great athletic match and everything but it needs to have investment from a story we always talk about that people are not going to buy a, a match is built to through story and investment in character and and people seeing the, the tangible outcome of the progression of winning or losing like where you go from it Putting on great matches for the sake of them will have a benefit in the short term, but they will not sustain. And the idea is they're trying to sustain. So in the past, when they came and ran the big shows, you know, bring the Bullet Club down or whatever, or the Elite, isolated sort of, yeah, they're just super show thing. Where it's like, oh, great, you get to go watch these great, you know, we're going to see Okada, and that's great. You can pop a house for that, but are you going to build that investment? And I feel like. The first event was solid, but I don't feel like it achieved what they were trying to achieve in terms of it was demonstrating a proof of concept in a lot of respects that people would come out for New Japan, but it didn't necessarily. I don't feel like the buzz for the the second round of Tamashi shows was nearly as as big as the original the original buzz because I felt like it felt I felt like fans felt it was somewhat inconsequential, mm. like that there wasn't a what's what what what's the long-term benefit of this where is like moretti's wrestling ishimori great for that but where does that lead but it's it's interesting if we look in retrospect if they're building the rogue army thing that moretti was going against a bullet club guy you know like yeah, i mean yeah. like in retrospect it may come in to mean something but we couldn't see it makes sense. yeah in 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 uh hindsight we couldn't see it then i felt like this show was a profound declaration of what's possible in this it was a it was a, a massive step forward in terms of that so i feel like it's a an area that needs to be um if we get more of what we got to experience then i would say tamashi as a brand has got massive potential in australia you're selling it to me you know what i mean like obviously i couldn't make it my flights got cancelled my everything that went wrong um you know, i tried hitching but I mean, you're selling it to me, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't go, but like the way you guys are explained and everything like that, I said before, 
you know, the next one that comes out, say before Wagga Wagga, it, it does sound like it's something you want to go and see. And if you can't be there, then watch it because there are yeah. going to be Australian stories told that you can get invested in and you'll see Australian guys and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, it, this this show made it all feel a little more like must watch, can't miss sort of stuff, um, which I which I like and, I, and I'd hoped for. And, you know, even when we, were, when we were interviewing Robbie and it was like one of the things I liked most about that show that super show that we saw in previous was like the story that was sort of told between him and osprey and you want to see new japan stories be told here and you know this is like tamashi to an extent is like they're going to get their own story so they did both that was what's great about tamashi they can do both you can have domestic stories that are telling across the time plus you can have stories that are coming across like there's no reason that that if Robbie gets involved in a program in a junior context or a never context, that you couldn't have that match in Australia as a main event, but you could undercut it. Yeah, I think both having both is going to make people more invested and like you know the return punters, not just the one off. It's sustainable. Yeah, yeah, it's sustainable. You can say, oh, we're gonna we're gonna draw five hundred people every event, guarantee because we're gonna keep coming back for this thing at a, a decent price, and then when we have a big name match, big card, we'll go to a festival yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, we'll go big and we'll say okay but we'll know we'll get these people and they'll and they'll be our baseline so we'll we'll, that it creates a a higher floor so you're less likely of taking a loss on any potential event you're building brand loyalty like why can't new japan fans across the world become invested in tamashi as a brand they enjoy watching as like a show that they look forward to and a story they like look forward to following rather than just being i know that um a follower on the a follower of us on Twitter, Pretzel Duck, uh, talks about being a uh, not being great of uh, hearing or whatever, and so struggles to listen to our show. But they uh, watch they they follow PWA because PWA is really good with its like um uh like subtitles and like all this sort of stuff they do. Um, so it's, it's aware it's not Australian, but it's aware of the Australian sort of scene. Yeah. Um, and so Tamashi's those type of New Japan fans are going to be people that are going to be, you know, it's going to access, it's going to open the world to different people. And I think it's important to note, speaking of when we talked to Robbie um, on the show, uh, we didn't see it, but in Sydney, they had Jessica Troy versus Charlie Evans on the show. Yeah, cool. And have and they reported about it on the New Japan global side. So it will be the first sort of female match on the Tamashi brand with Jessica Troy um, getting the win, I think. So Robbie had made an explicit mention of we want that kind of opportunity with Tamashi to be able to showcase the women. Um, and they were able to do it in the second iteration of Tamashi. So I think the development and the growth of the brand identity is already starting. Yeah. Um, and I don't it was not advertised. That match was not advertised. So the fans turned up and they got to see that. So two of Australia's best female wrestlers, um, Charlie being in back in the country, and I mean like shit, like that's the opportunities there. And I, I tweeted out saying, you know, Robbie had said he wanted to see Jessica Troy versus Mayu Iwatani. It's like, all right, let's let's fucking do that then. Let's just book yeah. that. Now we've got that part. But he talked it into existence. It's happened. So I really feel like anything is possible off the back of this. And as I said, Red, like um, as you're saying, like the selling part of it, like I had a terrible experience getting there and getting home. Like it was not an easy, uh, everything about it was shit. But for the four hours and then the after bit and for the the time the show was happening and the thing around the show 
made up for all of the the rest of the stuff. So I left elated. Um, so it gives you an indication of just how good that was. And you can't hide it. You just can't hide it. It was, uh, we enjoyed Tamashi the first time, but this one was, I said, it was, a, there was a step up. And I think it was a conscious one. I think it was a conscious decision. I think they felt they needed to when they did. Look, I, it was a conscious decision not, not not to go like this year, like this particular time. But I'm I'm guaranteed right now. I'm definitely regretting it after hearing all that because the show, show we saw in Sydney was great, it was wonderful. But this sounds like it would have just been really nice and important. You know what I mean? To be there to see actual like the first inclination of what's going to happen. You guys were there for it. You know what I mean? Everyone was there to see it and being such an intimate arena too. Like sorry, intimate room. Uh, it would have been so cool when the show finished, just to sort of walk out with everyone who's so jazzed. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, yeah, dude. I, I'm. I hope they make the Croxton like their Melbourne Tamashi venue, and unless it's going to be a bigger show, I hope that's yeah. like the staple venue for it because it's it's a cool, intimate spot to go to, and like you'd fucking dig it in a big way. I think you would really like that place. And, Thorn- and like High Street in Thornbury, it's a great place to have because there's lots of places to eat and stuff around there and it's easy and yeah the um and it's not uncommon like when they did the strong they made the vermont in hollywood their staple in la and they just did all their shows from there they're all their tapings from there so it's not an uncommon strategy to create sort of bases and, and do a lot of their, their sort of matches and shows from there but yeah. i mean honestly i don't know strong had some really great matches it's that uh, we were talking to Robbie saying like this, the strong level of the these matches were at that level and some some other guys like it's better than strong I'm like I'm not going to argue yeah uh, elite elite pro wrestling you got that you got you got story you got a bit of everything you got a bit of everything it was a new Japan pro wrestling show yeah it just so happened that it was you know an Australian you know dominant in terms of the athletes that you know the wrestlers that were there but that's what I think is what New Japan is all about like it's the spirit of Anoki ultimately is that regardless of where it is and regardless of the guys they're all wrestling to a style that they are trying to emulate and trying to embody and for the guys that like a Robbie and a, and a Kyle like it's an opportunity for them to showcase what can happen um, by investing into that style and, and learning and going over and working that and bringing that stuff back so for me yeah I can't give it any higher praise. And you're right, Red. The next show, I think everybody there won't need a card to be announced. So I have faith that yeah, if Robbie's on the show and whoever who's gonna Robbie gonna be wrestling? Because that's kind of he's gonna become, you know, it'll be Robbie Tamashi. It'll just be like whatever he gets, people will be excited for it. Um yeah. uh, I, I guarantee I'll be getting standing tickets next time because I am such a gigantic human being that like I was sandwiched in Sydney. <laughs> she was squishy. Uh, oh, yeah. it was packed. It was you think you were sandwiched in there. Sydney we Sydney was positively like uh spacious. I just like had his arm around me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, literally yeah, no, was sit I had leg I, over. No, yeah. but I mean like that's for me, I think from now on that's how I'm gonna do it because I I'm a stander anyway. I'm a natural stander. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the one thing people always comment about me is like And the and the crocs into the standing room, you know, you Close to the bar, they had tables. It's an easy, it's an easy view, and kind of like the hard cam sort of spot is like is rather than the side of the ring, it's like the front of the ring. So straight shot, yeah. So it, standing room would be perfectly. Go hang out with Gore. Quick, Go hang out with Gore over at the bar. Um, quick question going into the future though, after seeing Robbie and and Fletcher, is there any possibility of Fletcher entering into the Super Juniors? He's too big. Yeah, he's big. Too big. He's everywhere. He's a heavyweight tag team wrestler, so. Um, yeah. but, but put him in the G1. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, he, that's, uh, he was, he was incredibly impressive. I mean, I, look, we've got stocks on him already, but 
um, he was a revelation of just high-end, top-end, amazing stuff. As I said, like, um, the idea of, like, the takeaway of, like, I know looking back to Lewis's question about selects, you know, when will we see him? Like, I feel like there was guys that were takeaways were, like, they're – it's an opportunity for certain guys to get themselves booked into New Japan and for guys that are currently New Japan wrestlers to elevate themselves and and be able to advocate for more opportunities. Yeah. You know, to be able to say, give me the ball. Like for Robbie, it's like, give me the ball. Like, everyone knows I can carry it. For Fletcher, though, it's like, I can, you know, I'm a tag guy, but like it's not uncommon for tag guys to get singles, uh, you know, opportunities yeah. in in a G1 or whatever it is. <laughs> Put him in the fucking G1. Imagine imagine him and Davis in the G1. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, good. just fucking do it. Yeah. But, like, that's it's possible in the sense, like, there might not be spots for it, but it's, like, it's an opportunity for him to Come be on. able to say, all in right. In the G1, there's plenty of spots. There's at least well, four I can think of. <laughs> well, but it's going to be smaller this year, though. It's going to be smaller this year, though, Dave. I think the G1 is going to be a bit smaller. I don't think we're going to get larger. Well, I mean, we're getting um, the Oceanic Cup, so, I mean, like, Fletch is definitely going to be in that for sure. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. You hope, you hope that yeah. that's where they could find themselves in, and that well, you, you've got to imagine that these stories they're shooting right now, like all the participants are going to be involved in yep. these stories. Wagga wagga, like yeah, you know, guys and... like Solo and stuff like that. Yeah. Those guys will yeah, get the spot. Exactly. Slex will get might may get a spot, and that's to me is um, in a tournament style where it's like I said, open weight Bob's got a chance to go against these big guys, and that's what I feel like is going to be his opportunity to springboard himself into this space and if it's as i said if it's leading the story is going to tie in it that to me is yeah for those following along it's um it's exciting so hopefully um you know in the future i think that they have the potential now some stories that you know when they announce events to announce the wrestlers quickly in terms of getting people a better idea of exactly who's going to be there um so they can sort of rebuild a bit of trust with people that weren't there because everyone in the building is going to go but it's just making sure that like you got to you just got to continue to deliver that level of of you don't have to have every match has to be Eagles versus Fletcher. I don't think anyone could survive if they did that, but you just need to have trust that they're going to continue to give us to that extent. If they do that, um, people were pleasantly surprised. Like people in there, some jaded New Japan fans and that sort of stuff are like, and like, and they're like, no, no, this is really good. Like people are asking questions in discords around like, you know, is this really as good as people are saying? You just all hyping us up. It's like, you know, is Australia even a real country? You know, like this whole discussion <laughs> and it's like no no it's you know it's it's a thing it was it was a thing it's like it's to me it's like we got our own version of what those people in the pwg shows get to say where they get to see that show and see these insane matches that we know aren't going to get make tape for about seven months you know it's going to take until the blu-ray comes out or whatever that's what it felt like we had our own pwg level kind of thing you know so we got to be melted for once where we get to sit in the front row see it live, go onto the fucking podcast and talk about what we just saw and how great it was and then be like, well, sucked in. <laughs> That's what Melissa does. And it'll be nine months you'll get to see it. Um, hopefully, New Japan get them up quicker. I think they need to, especially if they're shooting angles. So it allows the guys to work a bit more on social media and to promote their feuds moving forward, especially with PWA, MCW being involved. You want those guys to have their identity and their movement of their character be evident because you want that crossover across all of the brands. Um, so they need to so they need to get the shows up as quick as they can. I think that would be the next step for for getting the brand out because, like, we don't want to see what happened with Royal Quest Two, where it's like everyone that was there was raving about Aussie Open Shock Horror uh, versus FTR, um, 
and it took like a, a month for that match to get there. By the time it got up live, the pro wrestling world moves on. There's another, there's three more matches of the year candidates that come out in, in in the interim. So by the time it gets there, the impetus isn't quite there. Um, mm. So they do need to 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 get those up as quick as they can because, um, like I, I mean, I literally would be in the situation of like just like. We, we haven't got the whole show ready, but we've got that match ready. Let's just chuck that up um, because it's the best way to – that's the best advertisement you could possibly have for Australian pro wrestling, for New Japan pro wrestling's expedition into Australia to promote the Oceanic Cup, to promote – get out, buy a ticket, go see this. It's our boys representing our our approach, our philosophy to pro wrestling, merged with New Japan pro wrestling and getting the ball and, and you know, fucking hitting out of the park. So – um, yeah, I just think it was a great showcase, and every match I felt was had a purpose, and that's the best thing you can say about a, a show like that. You know, they had a purpose and a reason, and you could see, as I said, even the young boys, even them, you know, having fun watching Gore pick apart the fucking poor young boys. It was fun because you understood what they were doing and where they were going. You know, like these are these going to be the guys you have to follow. You know. That was a very extensive Tamashi thing, but I, as I said, I think it needed to be because I think there's a lot of interest in it. Yeah, uh, amazingly, I think they're pretty excited about that, so that's good. Yeah, good that there's interest. Absolutely, the intrigue. I like a bit of intrigue, and I'm in the broader wrestling world. It's a thing. I can always jump back. I can always jump back. I can always jump back.